Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of the Thiver McGee and Molly block of shows and Thiver McGee and Molly. This episode is from February 18th, 1947, and the episode is entitled Fibber Collects Dr. Gamble's Bills. So, Molly and Fibber are going door-to-door and trying to get people who have Doc Gamble as their doctor to pay their bills because Doc Gamble is beside himself. He can't get his people to pay the bills that uh, they're charged with, which is really kind of odd considering that that's something that's just never done nowadays. But Fibber decides to take it on himself to do that. What I really dislike about this program is that this radio program, Fibber and Molly, which is supposed to be preserved as presented at the time that this was recorded, the opening of the show, the first commercial in the show, the middle commercial, the ending commercial, and the ending music are all gone from this show. Now, that wouldn't happen nowadays with the 21st century and so many radio preservation groups out there that they wouldn't stand for something like this and that they would be outraged and would probably do something about it when someone finds an old program and decides to put it on tape that they can't and shouldn't and mustn't do anything to change the original presented version of, say, a show like Fibber, McGee, and Molly. And what is amazing about uh, nowadays in the 21st century, that they're still finding shows all the time. They're they're filling the gaps. They're finding these, surf- these shows are resurfacing, and they're preserving them properly. But in this case, with this person... It's just not, it's not an acceptable thing to do to cut off all of that information and allow people who weren't alive at the time to hear this show as it was intended and as it was produced. This person got away with it, and I suspect this person has done a number of shows who's done the same thing with all of them, cut the opening and and all the commercials out and the closing out and just let the body of the show. And even then, they didn't do it right because the first part of Fibber, McGee, and Molly is when the announcer describes or sets up the entire show by explaining what's going on. And part of that was cut off. So, 
I don't know exactly what the entire uh, program sounds like because the show doesn't exist other than this copy, which is sad, and that makes me angry. And, by the same token, the next show, Our Miss Brooks, the same thing. The opening, middle, and end of the show has been cut out, and including the commercials, I'm sure. But... Our Miss Brooks comes from 1954, January 17th, uh, um, selling the house next door, which is something that uh, Conklin wants to do, and of course I think Our Miss Brooks gets involved with that. And then after that is, is You Best Your Life from 1950, May 31st, the secret word is book, B-O-O-K. Enjoy these for what they are, <laughs> and I'll see you all back here next week, God willing, and the creeks don't rise. Take care, everyone. Be careful. Close on pieces of soft rock with pieces of hard rock, but at least their fountain pens didn't drip all over their tiger skin, like the one being used by a fellow whose wife has her fingers in her ears, as we join Fibber McGee and Bolly. This blah blah squirt gun, this blankety dad blankety ratted savvy blame imitation of a whipsawed fly spray, this ram dazzled frog. Oh, please, please control oh. yourself. How can anybody control myself on this double dip frag plastered, green fostered fountain pen throws its prim hassled ink all over my cluck weasel shirt? <laughs> Why, I never heard this language in all my life. Uh, I'm shocked. Or I'll bet I would be if I could understand it. What I'm trying to say is this pen is no good. No? No. I could write a cleaner signature with an atomizer. Is that the fountain pen you want on the punch board? Yeah. The one that was guaranteed not just for life, not just forever, but just for 30 days? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. So who are you writing to? I'm making out a couple of checks. I'm strictly the type of guy that likes to keep his credit good. Some of these bills are six months old. <laughs> What about the light bill? What about it? I just got that bill a few days before Christmas. Besides, they got plenty of bill. I read in the paper last night where they just passed the dividend. McGee, I simply don't know how you keep up with financial affairs like that. With all the things that you have to do. Why, isn't it a lovely day? Everybody's so cheerful and all. Are you getting along all right in the kitchen, Lena? Is there anything you need? No, I'm right in the middle of washing those dishes, and I thought I'd better see if you've got a dictionary. <laughs> I just know you have. You're both being so educated and all. You want to look up a word, Lena? I could probably tell you what it means. Oh, no, I don't want to look up anything, Mr. McGee. My gracious, I have enough trouble remembering all the words I know now without taking on any new ones. <laughs> Well, what do you want to know about the dictionary, then? Well, the way I look at it, Mr. McGee, when a girl wants to get away from the kitchen sink for a few minutes, one excuse is as good as another. <laughs> well, I'll go along with Kathleen. Oh, I'm real comfortable out there, though, with that stool to sit on and all. I don't stand up any more than I have to lately since Dr. Gamble pulled those three keys. <laughs> Dr. Gamble pulled three keys? Mm-hmm, out of my legs. <laughs> 
Oh, three feet out of your legs? Yeah, a dog bit me, you see. I was part of an old dog, and his teeth were loose. He had uh, two inch fingers and a bicuster. <laughs> The dog was a German herder, I do believe. <laughs> My goodness, that can be dangerous. I hope the dog wasn't mad, Lena. No, but I sure was. <laughs> Although I shouldn't have been, because he was just trying to be accommodating, really. Accommodating? Taking a bite out of you? Yeah, I was giving myself a singing lesson, seeing I was having a little trouble with some of the notes. Mm -hmm. But when he sunk his teeth in my leg, I hit a high C that broke three windows in the dining room. <laughs> Well, I guess somebody's got to finish those dishes, and I know who's it, but he's a who's a My, my, she's awfully fond of music, isn't she, dearie? She's awfully fond of her own singing, I'll go that far. <laughs> hey, i got to get these checks signed. If I can get this dad rat or something, stop leaking all over the place. Come in. What are those spots on your face, McGee? Hmm? Stick out your tongue. Take off your shirt. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is just fountain pen, butcher boy. So you can take that hungry look off your face. <laughs> the only guy that's going to cut into me is the internal revenue collector. <laughs> well, that's too bad. I have a dull scalpel I was saving for you. You make one move toward my scalp malpractice. And by the way, Pepto, is it true that the night before you passed the state medical board, every one of the examiners got a mysterious case of bonded bourbon? That's an outrageous falsehood. Why, of course it is. That was scotch. <laughs> but what's all this juror about writing letters, snare drums, buttering up some rich relatives? If it's any of your business, Snoopy, I am paying some bills. Mine is seven dollars when you get around to it. <laughs> Which you probably won't. So few people do. Oh, you got a lot of unpaid accounts, Doctor? My dear girl, if people paid what they owe me, I would have two Cadillacs, a new x-ray machine, and a mild heart attack. <laughs> if you weren't such an impractical, soft-headed businessman, Dopey, you'd hand your bills over to a collection agency. For 50% of the pay, they'd be... Hey, wait a minute. Hmm? How much do you figure you got coming? Locally, I'd say about 11,000. About 9,200 of which is uncollectible for various reasons. Hmm, well, that's still $1,800. Why did you ask you? Because I'm going to show Slowball here how to collect his accounts. How about it, Whistle Stop? Give me half if I collect them. Why not? What can I lose? If you only collect enough to pay your own bill, it'll be sheer velvet. <laughs> McGee, you mean you're actually going to go around town and try and collect the old doctor's bills? Or, I mean, the uh, doctor's old bills? Every nickel up is Don't be too optimistic, dreamboat. You are up against the prize deadbeats of all time. They can take a hint like Hirohito took San Francisco. No, don't sell McGee short, doctor. He's had a lot of experience in bill collecting. You bet you. 
He's always been on the other end of it, of course, but he knows the technique. I'm full of angles, Fat, so I got more dodges than Detroit, Michigan. All right, Johnny, here you have the assignment. I'll have my secretary get the bills together as soon as I get back to the office. Good. You know, I treated a fellow just last week who got his foot in a bear trap in the dark. Yeah, what that got to do with me? Nothing. Only he didn't know what he was stepping into either. So long. <laughs> You've undertaken quite a chore, haven't you, dearie? Collecting all those dead bills? Oh, my gosh, Molly. I'm just doing it for sentimental reasons. Oh, you are? Yeah. I love money. My gosh, this is easy money, Molly. We've collected 29 bucks already. Oh, here's the next one. See Edward Price. House call, five bucks. Got an argument ready, dearie? I'm the type of guy that's always got an argument ready. One yap out of this patsy, and I'll threaten him with a writ of Tramus Mortimus. <laughs> Heavenly days, what on earth is Tramus Mortimus? I don't know, I just made it up. But just to mention the word writ to the average guy, and he holds up like a carpenter's yardstick. <laughs> What's that in your hand? Phony police badge. It says chicken inspector on it, but... <laughs> I only let him see the edge of it. I never realized it. Yes? Get your writ ready, officer. Hi, bud. You Mr. Price? Yes. Well, I represent Dr. Gamble. Dr. Gamble. Say, if you're a friend of his, will you give him this five dollars? I won't have a chance to see him, and I have owed him this for a long time. Well, thank you very much. Now then, what did I hear about a writ? Uh, yes. I, I just told my wife. I bet you'd pay up and be writ off the list. What's the right? He took the wind out of your sails like lightning had struck the mast. If it's all going to be this easy, it won't be any fun. Thirty-four bucks collected already without a struggle. Well, we still have to collect 1,766. Mm -hmm. And that's as the elephant said when he ate the snuff and sneeze, ain't hay fever. <laughs> Where next? Right here. I sorted the bills so the calls would come close together. This is Agatha Trilby. She owes 12 bucks to Lincoln. How many times I gotta tell you I got no rooms to rent? I don't even rent rooms. I just put that ad in the paper so my husband would think I was making some money and come home. The minute he sticks his big red nose in this door, I'm gonna break up. Wait, wait a minute. Oh, 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 Don't get your house dressed in a hassle. We're not looking for rooms. We're collecting bills for Dr. Gamble. Yeah. That's class. I don't owe him $12, and he knows it. How'd you know the amount was 12 bucks if you didn't know it? He was passing by when my twins were born in a taxi cab. I didn't ask him to help. And if he thinks they're only worth $6 a piece, I hate him 24 hours a day. <laughs> Now, uh, who do we done, Mr. Bradstreet? Uh, let me look at the list. This is the address right here. Oh, my gosh, this is where Wilcox lives. Harlow Wilcox? Yeah, he owes Gamble four bucks, you see. You see, you think? Good day, what can I... Oh, hello, Molly, hello, pal, come on in. I haven't got time, sir. This is business, Mr. Wilcox. Junior, this is a painful thing for me to say, huh? But I hate to see a young man like you deceiving the company you work for. Yes. After all, they have confidence. What are you talking you about? Your debt, Mr. Wilcox. What debt? Don't try to brazen it out, Junior. We're your friends. Yes. We want to help you. Sure. Every young man makes mistakes. Yes. Maybe you just got in with that company. Maybe it all started innocent, matching pennies or something. <laughs> then you started putting a shot of lemon in your Coke. <laughs> Not 
realizing that you're on the downward path. We realize that these things... Oh, for Pete's sake, will you tell me what this is all about? I don't owe anybody a nickel. Please, Mr. Wilcox, how about your account with Dr. Gamble? Four dollars, Junior. Last July 19th. Let me see that. Give it to him, Jimmy. Here, boy. Just give us a reasonable explanation and the four bucks and we'll hush the whole thing up. We realize... Hey, wait a minute. This is not a bill. What? Look at it. It says memo. Hey, Harlow Wilcox, four dollars. <laughs> well, I'll be a... How'd that get in with these bills? Well, we apologize, Mr. Wilcox. Oh, that's all right, folks. Yeah. Come on, Molly. We better go. Hey, wait a minute. What is it, Mr. Wilcox? What do you want? Four bucks. What? Doc owes me four bucks. It says so right here. Come on. This is a painful thing for me to say, boy. But if the company knew you were holding out payment... Give it to him, McGee, for goodness sake. Okay, I know when I'm licked. Here, Waxy, four dollars. Thank you. You know what I'm going to do now? What? Go home. Oh, I am home. So long. Who is this, McGee? Bill says Wilk Watson, 35 bucks. Wow, this is a big one. My cut of that's going to be 750. Yeah. Good day, sir. Uh, collectors, bud. You got a bill against you for 35 bucks. A count with Dr. Gamble. Want to pay up or do I slap you with a writ of Tramus Mortimer? Take it easy, Mac. My wife's just inside. <laughs> don't you owe this bill, sir? What's it for? I don't remember. Now, office treatment, bud, for a lipstick allergy. Oh, crime here. Here's Sissy. Buy a cigar. Go on. Beat it. Imagine that. A 15 buck tip. Money talks, even if it only says hush. That bill just said office treatment, $35. How'd you know it was for a lipstick allergy? Oh, I made that up. He said his wife was just inside, so I thought that would get some fast action. And now, let's see. How much money we took in so far yet? $84. Less before you had to pay Mr. Wilcox. That's an even 80. My end of that is 40 bucks. Not bad. I can believe good on 40 bucks a day, I could. Well, here's the next victim, baby. What's the name? Lancelot Eisenhower Dempsey. <laughs> Got him down for $22. Well, we've only had one failure so far. Hello, folks. My God. Wimple! Heavenly days. What are you doing here, Mr. Wimple? I own this house, Mr. McGee. <laughs> don't tell Sweetie. You know my big old wife. <laughs> but who's Lancelot Eisenhower Dempsey? <laughs> That's me. Huh? I own this house under that name. Well, what's the idea of the extra house, Mr. Wimple? Oh, it's just sort of a hideaway, Mrs. McGee. There isn't any furniture in it. I come here almost every day and sit on the floor and use my bird book. Your what, Wimp? My bird book. Won't you come in? You can sit on the floor in the dining room. That's soft pine. Thank you, Mr. Wimple. We're out collecting bills for Dr. Gamble. Got Lancelot Eisenhower Dempsey down here for 22 bucks, Wimp. Oh, gracious, I forgot all about that. Yeah. That was for selling my broken arm the time Tweety Face twisted it because I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. What'd you do, kid? Well, she put on her slacks one day. Mm-hmm. Although why they call them slacks on her, I'll never know. <laughs> Anyhow, 
she had them on, and she was doing aerobic exercises and had her ankles crossed behind her head. I taped them together with a heating tape. And I stood well back and made faces at her. Did she get loose again? She rolled across the room and knocked the telephone off the hook. Oh, called the police, eh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't want to. <laughs> I'd cut the wires. <laughs> An aluminum salesman cut her loose two days later after he gave her a cooking demonstration first. <laughs> I hid here for two whole weeks that time. Mr. Wimple, uh, I don't like to be inquisitive, but how did you happen to marry Sweetie Faith? I didn't. She married me. She asked me one night, can you cook Wallace? And I said, well, I can make fudge. And she said, I think I'll marry you anyway. And I said, no, dear, I said, but you can be a sister to me. And she said, you think so, brother? Next thing I knew, we were on our honeymoon. You don't tell her I live here under another name, will you? Oh, of course not, Mr. Wimple. Here, here's uh, Dr. Gamble's $22 missing. Oh, thanks. How'd you ever think up Lancelot Eisenhower Dempsey, Wimp? Oh, he just appealed to me somehow. It's such a brave name. Well, remember now, don't tell. <laughs> Yeah. My calves feel old enough to have calves of their own. Getting kind of pushing myself to think how much dough we got so far. One hundred and two dollars. Fifty-one of it is yours. Uh, not bad, not bad. You realize that's twenty thousand a year? Remind me to have ice cream on my pie for lunch. My standard of living has been too low. I take it easy, Pat. After all, this is... Oh, there's Mayor Latrivia. You know, Mr. Mayor. Hi, Latrivia. Hello there. What are you doing in this end of town? We're collecting old bills for Dr. Gamble, Your Honor. Any success? Well, the old bone vendor is still in the same tax bracket, Latrivia, but... Who said hello to the money he kissed goodbye? <laughs> <laughs> Say, uh, speaking of kisses, Mr. Mayor, uh... How's uh, Miss Tremaine these days? Fine, fine, thank you. I just saw her a few minutes ago, bless her little redhead. <laughs> redhead? I thought she was a brunette. I thought she was a blonde. <laughs> she, uh, she was. Oh. But uh, she has a chance to appear in a new play, and she's been experimenting a little with her hair. Oh? Will she go to Hollywood, Mr. Mayor? I hope not. So does Doc Gamble. She still got both your pictures glaring at each other on the top of her piano? Well, I must say that Doctor's photo has a certain menacing expression, but mine is rather pleasant, I think. Mine is smiling, like uh, Donna Michi. <laughs> Donna who? Donna Michi. Who's she? <laughs> it isn't a she, it's a he. Don Amici. He played Alexander Graham Bell. Really? What'd they play and who won? <laughs> They didn't play anything, and nobody won. That is, it was a moving picture, and Amici played Bell. You mean the telephone bell? Yes. I mean, he played the part of the man who invented the telephone. Oh. Which part of the man did he play? The head and shoulders, I presume. He played all of them. I mean, the character was... I mean, she impersonated... Silly? No. 
sold off. <laughs> Well, shall we make one more collection, Molly? How far do we have to go? It's right here. Right handy. Come on. Hi, bud. You, uh, you Mr. Andrew White? Yes, I am. Why? Uh, we're collecting for Dr. Gamble, sir. Got a bill against you for $19, bud. You gonna pony up or do I slap you with a writ of Tramus Mortimus? Well, there's no use making any crash, brother. If I owe the money, I'll be glad to pay. Must have been an oversight because... By the way, haven't we met before? Well, uh, personally, I don't know you from a load of hay. Except a load of hay isn't parted on the side. <laughs> your puss is kind of familiar, bud. You from Peoria? No. What's your name? McGee. Tiver McGee. Tiver McGee. That's it. Huh? Legion Convention in Chicago, 1935. Huh? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're that Andy White. Well, what do you know? This is my wife, Molly, Andy. Meet Andy White, Molly. How do you do? I'm sure. Well, I'm glad to meet Andy White and Fibber McGee. Mm. <laughs> uh, you remember me, huh, McGee? Oh, I'll say I do, comrade. I and you had a room together at the convention. I filled the pillowcases with water and you threw them out the window at the Sherman Hotel. <laughs> 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 oh, well, men are born tall and silly. <laughs> yeah, imagine meeting old Andy White. Well, it sure is good to see you, comrade. Well, I'm especially happy to see you, too, comrade. Why, comrade? Because, comrade, you owe me a hundred bucks I loaned you to pay your hotel bill. <laughs> still got the IOU, right? See? A hundred bucks. Got that much with you, comrade? <laughs> well, say something, comrade. <laughs> Hello. Oh, Dr. Gamble out of those collections? Yep, 49 bucks to Dr. Doe was in that hundred I paid off. Besides the bill for seven bucks, he says we owe him. Heavenly days, now we owe him $56 instead of seven. Yeah. I wonder who's going to try to collect that for him. <laughs> Good night, all. In the years she has been teaching English at Madison High, our Miss Brooks has always felt she was as well qualified as any other teacher to be head of the English department, an opinion, unfortunately, not shared by her principal. Recently, however, when there's been a choice between two teachers for something, he has given Miss Brooks the nod. Not only has he given me the nod, but most of the time he's gone to sleep entirely. <laughs> But over the last month, there has been a change in Mr. Conklin's attitude toward me. And last Wednesday, he indicated that if I could keep out of trouble for the next few weeks, I might actually be the head of the department during the second semester. Since my landlady was away, her sister Angela had charge of our household for a few weeks. I told her the news at breakfast Thursday morning. It was apparent that Angela was choked with emotion... Because from her first words, I could see she could barely contain her enthusiasm. Uh, Connie, please pass the French toast. <laughs> Angela, is that all you have to say? No, dear. Pass the strawberry jam, too. <laughs> Angela, I tell you something that could be of tremendous importance to me, and you react as if it was practically nothing. 
could. It isn't that I'm not happy for you, Connie, but I'm so worried about Minerva these days, I, I can't get enthusiastic about anything. You mean because she's been so quiet lately? Yes, dear. It's been going on for over a week now. Nothing I say or do seems to arouse her interest. Why, formerly, just the word mice used to start her mewing all over the place. Well, let me try, Angela. Minerva, listen to me, Minerva. Mice? Sweet cream? Goldfish? Canaries? <laughs> Sam? Well, who's Sam, dear? Well, you remember when Minerva had that litter of kittens a year ago, Sam was the cat passing out the cigars. <laughs> She isn't responding to anything. Oh, it's got me beside myself. I was supposed to attend an emergency meeting of Margaret's ladies' aid group tonight, but I, I simply can't leave Minerva alone in the state she's in. Would you mind sitting at home with Minerva tonight? Well, I'd like to help you out, Angela, but tonight Mr. Boynton and I were planning to see Sadie Thompson with Rita Hayworth. Well, couldn't the three of you sit home with Minerva instead? <laughs> Counting Sadie, there'll be four of us. <laughs> I suppose I could persuade him to stay here this evening. Oh, thank you, dear. You don't know how much I appreciate this. I'll give you Minerva's feeding instructions at dinner tonight. I'll get it. Hello? Hello, Miss Brooks. Uh, this is Mr. Boynton. Why, Mr. Boynton, I'm glad you called. We were just speaking about you. Speaking about me? Yes, about how I was going to get Rita Hayworth off your lap tonight and me on. <laughs> that is, I'm afraid we'll have to sit home tonight. Mrs. Davis's cat hasn't been well lately, and Angela asked me if I'd sit home with Minerva while she went out. Would you mind terribly? Not at all, Miss Brooks. A matter of fact, sitting home fits right in with my own plans. It does? Well, shall I go down to the cellar and blow out the light fuse, or will you? And you, uh, what are your plans? Mr. Well, when I called just now, I thought I'd have to sit home with my frog McDougal tonight, as he has a cold. But since you're going to be home with Minerva anyway, maybe you could look after them both. You want me to look after them? Yes, while I attend a lecture at my biology club. I've been dying to hear Dr. Williams' speech for months. I consider it one of the greatest favors you've ever done for me. Well... All right, Mr. Boynton. Oh, thanks, Miss Brooks. I'll give you Max's feeding instructions and the eyedropper I feed him with at noon today. And say, since you've been so nice to me, why not let me treat you for lunch? Good idea. That way you can demonstrate how the eyedropper works on me. <laughs> I'll see you later, then. All right, Miss Brooks. Bye. What did uh, Mr. Boynton want you to do, dear? Look after his frog, McDougal, while I'm sitting with Minerva tonight. Oh, isn't that nice? Oh, I'm sure that McDougal and Minerva will get along just splendidly together. Well, even if they do, I doubt if anything will ever come of it. <laughs> oh, of course not, dear. Minerva's much too tall for him. <laughs> oh, that's probably Walter Denton to pick me up. Come on in, Walter. The door's open. Well, I'm all out of eggs, so if he wants anything, Walter will have to take whatever is in here. That's an idea. Maybe it will finally arouse Minerva when Walter battles her for her saucer of milk. <laughs> Good morning, Walter. Ah, uh, greetings to two of my favorite females. And how is the fairest flower of our fair school this morning? Just fair. <laughs> Just fair? 
when you're on the threshold of achieving one of your life's greatest ambitions? Is it just fair when you're practically our English department's future head? It's my current head that's aching. <laughs> We're having a good deal of trouble with Minerva these days, Walter. Yes, I- I'm terribly worried about her. She- she's been so depressed lately. I haven't heard her meow in a week. Well, I know what it is. It's because I haven't brought my dog around lately. Yeah, they used to play together all the time. Minerva just misses him, that's all. Oh, that's silly, Walter. Who ever heard of a cat missing a dog? Anyway, I'm sure that Minerva's forgotten all about Prince. Yeah. Oh, Connie, maybe that's it. Well, the moment you said Prince... Yeah. <laughs> sure that's it. And my dog will bring her out of her depression in a minute. It's the only name that's aroused her in a week, Connie. Oh, come to think of it, before our neighbor moved away, Minerva was also friendly with her dog, Fido. Yeah. <laughs> and that dog down the block, too. What was his name? Uh, oh, yes, Rover. Yeah. <laughs> this cat is dog happy. I think she'd even respond to a dog she'd never heard of before, like Bowser. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Connie, this is wonderful. Now all Walter has to do is to bring his dog over tonight, and Minerva will be cheerful all evening. Will you do that, Walter? No, oh, I'll be glad to, Angela. Now wait a minute. You mean you want me to look after Walter's dog, too? Well, since you're sitting with Minerva and McDougal anyway, one more won't be much trouble, will it? Well, I'll do it on one condition, that you don't breathe this to a soul. Oh, I won't, dear. But why not? If any circus ever gets wind of this, I'm liable to be sued for unfair competition. <laughs> like you got us to school in plenty of time this morning, Walter. I think good we morning, should be... Good morning, Miss Brooks. Oh, good morning, Harriet. Hi, Dreamboat. Hello, sweet stuff. Uh, Hello, Glamour. <laughs> Hello, Swoon Girl. <laughs> Hello, Moon Glow. Look, can I break in on the five of you for a minute? <laughs> Harriet, what kind of a mood is your father in this morning? Oh, just fine, Miss Brooks. If you're still worried about becoming head of our English department, you're practically in. Daddy said he intended stopping over to seeing you one of these nights. Yeah, well, she'll sure be in tonight. <laughs> there is an animal in town she isn't sitting with. Our <laughs> house is going to look like the Johannesburg Zoo at feeding time. <laughs> I've never seen them. <laughs> I'm one laughing hyena short Care to join me? As a matter of fact, I am animal sitting tonight With Mrs. Davis's cat, Walter's dog, and Mr. Boynton's frog Well, that's a coincidence, Miss Brooks Since I'm babysitting with little Horace Anderson tonight You're babysitting? Tonight? Oh, but tonight's Bull Jones's party, and you promised to go to it with me. Is that tonight, Walter? Oh, gosh, I forgot all about it. Well, I don't see how I can possibly... Say, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe I still can go with you. How, she said, with the knife already sticking three feet into her back. <laughs> Miss Brooks, 
since you're going to be home anyway, would you mind sitting with Horace, too? He's only eight months old, and he's absolutely no trouble. I'm sorry, Harriet. I'd like to help you out, but I have my hands full as it is. Well, just as you say, Miss Brooks. But, uh, I suppose I needn't remind you that I see Daddy day and night, and I know how important becoming head of the English department is to you, and... A well-chosen word from me here and there must... Just tell me what temperature Horace likes his bottles at. <laughs> oh, then you'll do it, Miss Brooks. Oh, gosh, you're a peach. I know Mrs. Anderson will be delighted you're looking after her baby, too. Well, I don't know whether Mrs. Anderson will be so happy after tonight, Harriet. At eight months, the child picks up the habits of those around him very fast. But why should that bother Mrs. Anderson? After tonight, Horace might decide to jump 12 feet in the air and start <laughs> licking her face. <laughs> well, as things have worked out tonight, I'm going to babysit with Mrs. Anderson's baby, Mrs. Davis's cat, Walter's dog, Mr. Boynton's frog, and unless I run into Sabu, that's it. <laughs> but at noon, I had other things on my mind, principally how I could solidify myself with Mr. Conklin. I decided that the best way to do it was to be as cooperative as possible. So at noon, I assumed Harriet's duties and brought him his daily tray of food from the cafeteria. When Mr. Conklin saw me coming into his office with the tray, he thanked me in a rather unusual way. Miss Brooks, don't come a step closer or I'll scream for help. <laughs> but, sir, this is just a tray of food for you. I know who it's intended for, and I warn you, I intend to defend myself to the limit of my strength. Oh, I wouldn't spill any of it on you, Mr. Conklin. And anyway, how could I when there's a whole desk between us? With a tray of food in your hands, I wouldn't feel safe with the Mediterranean Sea between us. <laughs> now, please put down that tray. Yes, sir. Now, you put down that lamp. <laughs> oh. oh, yes, of course. Well, as long as I'm here, sir, is there anything I can do for you? Why, I've never seen your desk so cluttered before. I'd be glad to straighten it if you... Miss Brooks, I'll thank you to keep those ten crazy, mixed-up thumbs of yours off my desk. <laughs> Every time you mean to be helpful, things happen to me that are not even mentioned in wildcat accident insurance policy. <laughs> Shall I enumerate? I'd rather you didn't. September, the typewriter on the foot incident. Cost to me one fractured toe. October, the swivel chair caper. One sprained wrist. November, oh, November was a good night. The surprise waxing of the office floor episode. Cost one cracked sacroiliac. December, uh, December. Nothing happened in December, sir, and I can prove it by your medical charge. That is, nothing did happen in December. Uh, no, no, you're right, and that's why I'm finally considering you for head of the English department. If one can forget your psychopathic quirks, you are capable, popular with the students. And I'm neat, clean, healthy, thrifty, thoughtful, decisive, and ambitious. I'll work as I've never worked before, do anything you want, absolutely anything. I'll be ideal in every way you'll see, just ideal. Now, do I get the job, do I, hmm? Huh? Do I? Do I get the job? The hmm? down, girl. <laughs> I'll make a bargain with you, Miss Brooks. Keep out of my hair until the end of this semester... Do absolutely nothing to tease, 
hurt or molest me, and the job is yours. Oh, thank you, sir, thank you. I'll be very careful, sir, very careful. Now, is there anything else I can do while I'm still here? Yes, there is one more thing you can do, Miss Brooks. And what's that, sir? Leave. <laughs> a great deal of work to do. Oh, yes, sir, I was just leaving this second. I was on my way out, just going, just departing, leaving at once. Goodbye, sir. I doubt if the woman will ever make it. <laughs> oh, well, I've done all I possibly... Hello, Osgood Conklin, principal speaking. Make it brief. I'm a busy man. Hello, Osgood. Herbie. Herbie? Yeah, you remember. Your brother-in-law. Listen, Osgood, you know that house next to yours? The one that's been empty for six months? I ought to, since I emptied it. I inspired the neighbors to leave. Oh, you did? Yes, they had a ridiculous five-year-old child who practiced on the piano from morning till night. Sounded like a four-year-old. Yeah, yeah, I know how much you hate noise, Osgood. Well, I have a client, a Mr. Perkins, who also hates noise, and he will buy that house next to yours, providing I can convince him that you're a quiet neighbor. You know, no babies or animals. Indeed. Well, there are certainly no babies and absolutely no animals around my place, except for my daughter's idiotic boyfriend. I know. Look, he wants to meet you and see your place tonight around nine. Tonight? Well, I was supposed to go to a lodge meeting tonight, but with 200 iron men, if a dollar's at stake, I'll be available. Fine. Now, Perkins doesn't have a car, so I'll let you know where to pick him up. Then you take him to your house. But, Osgood... Please, make sure everything is especially quiet tonight, huh? The house will be like a tomb. I shall send Mrs. Conklin to the movies and Harriet's going out to a party. Yeah, how about the radio and television set? There's nothing I can do about them. They're staying home. <laughs> Bye, Herbert. <laughs> Miss Brooks. Oh, Miss Brooks. Yes, Harriet. You can come out from under your desk now. They've gone. Thanks, Harriet. I don't see how John Wayne does it in picture after picture. What did you want to see me about, Harriet? Well, it's about tonight. Mrs. Anderson was delighted with the idea of having you sit with Horace, but she doesn't want him in a strange house. She says he cries there. Well, then I guess that lets me out. So I came up with a solution for her. I'm back in. <laughs> what is it, Harriet? Well, you see, Horace has been over to my house any number of times, and he's perfectly familiar with it. So Mrs. Anderson agreed to let you sit with Horace at my house, if that's all right with you. Oh, I'm afraid not, Harriet. I'd have to bring along the cat, the dog, and the frog, and your father isn't very fond of animals. Come to think of it, he isn't very fond of humans, either. <laughs> oh, that's okay, Miss Brooks. Daddy has his lodge meeting tonight, and he won't be home until midnight. Will you do it, please? All right, Harriet. You bring the baby to your house, and I'll bring the menagerie, and let's hope the neighbors don't bring the police. <laughs> Attention, please, while I call the roll. Minerva? Meow. McDougal? <laughs> Prince? Meow. Minerva, we know how you feel about dogs, but control yourself. Prince? 
Horace, wait your turn. Finn, stop licking Horace. You're frightening him. Now, Horace, stop licking Prince. You're frightening him. McDougal, get off Minerva's back at once. Prince. Prince, you drop McDougal this instant. But not on Horace. Not on the doorbell either. Oh, that's someone outside. Goodness, who could that be? Hello, Connie. Why, Angela. Welcome aboard Noah's Ark. <laughs> They're all in the living room. I-, I was worried about Minerva, Connie. So I thought I'd drop in and say hello to her before I went to my meeting. Yeah. Minerva, honey. Goodness, Connie. She's broken out in a green rash. <laughs> That's McDougal on her back. <laughs> Minerva looks wonderful, Connie. So relaxed. <laughs> Thanks to you, Prince. Uh-oh. Yes, and you, McDougal. <laughs> Connie, who's this foreigner? <laughs> Angela, meet Horace, the baby. Have you fed him yet, Connie? I was about to feed them all, but the list of feeding schedules you wrote out for me seems a bit confusing. <laughs> But you gave me the data for each one, except Minerva. I know, but something must have happened along the way. Listen to this. Feeding for Horace, 9.30 p.m. Pour three ounces of warm milk into a half cup of dog food. <coughs> oh, don't worry, Horace. We wouldn't feed you the dog food. Not with all the pablum we have around here. <coughs> oh, you don't like pablum either, hmm? How do you feel about raw liver? <coughs> Flies. <laughs> oh, I can see McDougal's been speaking to you. <laughs> Honey, I think I have an idea that will simplify things for us. Why don't I just fix up a quart of warm milk for all of them? A good idea. The drinks are on the house, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, who can that be? It's either Harriet or Clyde Beatty. <laughs> kitchen and fix up that milk, and I'll get it, Angela. All right, dear. Why, Miss Brooks? Mr. Conklin, I didn't expect you until midnight. What are you doing here now? I lost my glass slipper, and the prince chased me all the way home. (laughs) May I inquire what you are doing in my home, Miss Brooks? Uh, I'm sitting, Mr. Conklin. What's the matter? Park bench get too cold? Well, I can explain, sir. You Never see... mind. Now, listen, Miss Brooks. I have an opportunity to earn a $200 commission tonight. $200? Yes. Yes, Mr. Perkins is coming up the walk now. He's thinking of purchasing the house next door. But first, he's visiting us to convince himself that we are quiet neighbors. You see, he hates noise. He wants to be sure there are no babies or animals around. Miss Brooks, what is it? Your your cheeks are flushed. You're trembling. Have you caught something? No, but I'll be catching plenty soon. <laughs> I'll be all right in a moment, Miss Conklin. Well, quite a place you've got here, Conklin. I... Oh, is this your wife? Heaven for then. <laughs> uh, this is Miss Brooks, Mr. Perkins. Oh, she's one of my English teachers, whom, by the way, I'm considering as head of her department. But not for long. That is, what are we all standing around in the hallway for? Why don't we go out for a nice, long, brisk walk? <laughs> After all... What was that? My throat. I have a cold. <laughs> yes, 
Well, that's strange. I could have sworn it was a... Well, that sounded like a frog. I know. With a cold, I always get a frog in my throat. What is going on around here? I'm certain that was a cat. Well, uh, once in a while, a stray dog or cat will pass by outside. Like he says, once in a while, a stray baby dog or a baby cat will pass by. Mr. Conklin, do you have a baby in this house? It sounded as if there were one in the next room. Oh, but that's preposterous. I assure you, Mr. Perkins, there are no babies or animals in this house. Follow me into the living room, please. Uh, just a moment, sir. Miss Brooks. Kindly remove your body from my path, or I shall be forced to trample it into the dust. Follow me, Mr. Perkins. Now there, Mr. Perkins, you can see for yourself. There's nothing in this living room but a dog, a cat, a frog, and a baby. And as I've been telling you for the last hour, you'll find that your house is in the quietest neighborhood that you could possibly find. No matter where, there's nothing in this living room but a dog, a cat, a frog, and a baby! Mr. Conklin. Miss Brooks? Yes, Warden. Uh, Mr. Conklin. Please explain to Mr. Perkins what all these animals are doing in this house. I know there's a clear, logical explanation somewhere. Oh, of course there is, Mr. Perkins. I brought in the animals myself to sit with. You brought them in to sit with? Mr. Perkins, believe me... All her logical explanations sound like science fiction. Don't you blame this poor woman, Conklin. As far as I'm concerned, you can find another neighbor. But, Mr. Perkins, please, if you'll only... No, Mr. Conklin, no. The saxophone is a difficult enough instrument to master. And I simply can't be disturbed by all these animals and this baby while I practice. Saxophone? You play the saxophone? I practice three hours a night and all day Sundays. You, uh, you play the saxophone all day Sunday, too? I do. Uh, well, I am sorry you don't like my animal collection, Mr. Perkins. And as for this infant, she's the finest baby girl I've ever had. Take it easy, Horace. He didn't know. <laughs> well, I'm certainly glad I found out about all this in time. Good night, sir. Yeah. And good riddance. Now then, Miss Brooks, will you kindly give me the facts as to what you are doing in my home with this miniature zoo? But I gave you my explanation, sir. Oh, come now, Miss Brooks, the truth. Well, if I give you another explanation, will you consider me for head of the English department next term? N-O. Now, the three animals, Miss Brooks, where did they come from? Well, sir, I was babysitting for Mrs. Anderson's baby. I see. And I thought it might get a little lonely. Yes. So I insisted my three friends come along, and we've had the craziest bridge game you've ever seen. <laughs> oh, after persuading Mr. Conklin to at least consider me for head of the English department for next year, Angela and I brought Horace and the rest of the menagerie back to our house. Once there, Horace crawled out of his baby blanket and played with the animals until Mrs. Anderson came by to pick him up. Shortly after she left with him and the other animals had been called for, Angela began looking around for something. Where did uh, Minerva go? Did you notice, Connie? I believe she's in her box in the kitchen, Angela. Oh, of course. Well, let's go in and say goodnight to her. I'm sure she can tuck herself in, but all right. 
Why, she was cheerful this evening. I've never seen such a change in a cat before. No, the change was remarkable. Well, here we are, dear. I see you're moving under the straw. Good night, Minerva. Good night, honey. I've heard of remarkable changes before, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the secret word tonight is book. B-double-O-K. Oh, you're always saying that. You'll bet your life. <laughs> Soto Plymouth Dealers of America present Groucho Marx in You'll Bet Your Life, the comedy quiz series produced and transcribed from Hollywood. And here he is, the one, the only... Groucho! I thought he was still hibernating for the winter. Oh, that's me, Groucho Marx! Thank you. Well, here I am again with $1,500 for one of our couples. George Fenneman, who's place to try for it? We invited some nightclub hat check girls and some ballpark vendors to the program tonight. And just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected Miss Betty Schumann and Mr. Al Weissman. And here they are. Folks, meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, you beautiful people, for the DeSoto Plymouth dealer. <laughs> I mean you, Betty. Huh? <laughs> and if you say the secret word, you'll split $100 between you. It's a common word, something you'll find around the house. Mr. Uh, Weissman. Oh, I'd seen you be such a ballpark. Yeah? Thank you. What ballpark do you do your hawking, uh, Gilmore? Huh? Hollywood ballpark. Hollywood, yeah. What kind of items do you sell to the ball fans? Peanuts, cracker jacks, soda, popcorns, cushions, programs, novelties. What kind of novelties? Flags, hats, baseballs. You mean if you get hot peanuts, that's a novelty? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, tell me, uh, Al, is there much difference between the taste of your cushions and your popcorn? Well, <laughs> in the color. And, uh, Betty, uh, sh uh Schumann? Is Schumann. Schumann, huh? A mighty pretty girl, Betty, huh? Yep. At what nightclub are you employed, Betty? Cyril's. Pretty expensive joint, isn't it? Cyril's isn't a joint. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, it's a pretty expensive honky-tonk, isn't it? Cyril's isn't a honky-tonk, either. Well, at least we agree it's expensive, don't we? <laughs> Maybe for some people. That's true. Some people do find it expensive. <laughs> Only the people who go there. <laughs> what do you do at Zero's? Uh, I'm a combination hat check and cigarette girl. Well, you've got a very nice combination there. <laughs> but... Well, tell me, uh, uh, Betty, uh, do, do women check their hats in your honky-tonk? Very rarely, mostly coats. What kind? Oh, chinchillas, mink, sables, Persian lamb. You mean you have all those animals in that little room? <laughs> Why do women check those valuable coats? I should think they'd never want to let them out of their sight. Well, if they were to take them to the tables with them and they got up to dance, they'd be left all alone. You mean some skunk could come along and go away with a mink? <laughs> Do people check other things besides uh, hats and coats? Occasionally. Do any of your customers uh, ever check their husband? No, but I had a man check it today once, and a woman check a girdle. <laughs> I don't know why a woman would want to check a girdle. If she stayed in a nightclub long enough, she'd be strapped anyway. <laughs> why, 
woman check a girdle in a nightclub, Betty? I don't know, sir. I didn't ask her. It wasn't any of my business. Well, I consider it mine, huh? <laughs> Next time a woman checks her girdle in your place, you tell her I want to know why. <laughs> now, how much do you charge for checking a hat? There is no charge. There isn't, eh? <laughs> what do you mean, no charge? In a nightclub, they charge for everything. Including the A you're choking in. <laughs> no charge at all? There is no charge. You tip whatever you wish. I see. Whatever tip I want, yeah. That's right. Suppose I left an asparagus tip. <laughs> now, Frankfurter, take me out of the ball game. Do you, uh, you get many tips like uh, Betty gets at zeros? What, from those? Baseball fan? <laughs> I have never heard Venom expressed in such simple terms. <laughs> I didn't realize you were so sensitive, Al. I thought perhaps occasionally you got a foul tip. <laughs> I thought occasionally you got a foul tip, you know. <laughs> now, what kind of a costume do you wear, Betty? And, and make it brief. Very short, and we wear long opera hose. Well, that's brief enough, I guess. <laughs> Doesn't an outfit like that make people stare? Well, yes. Mostly the women. You mean the men don't stare? <laughs> yes, but in a different way. <laughs> Naturally. Well, a man wants to see what happens to his hat, that's <laughs> Well, you two have taught me a lot about night work. Now, let's see if you're going to be the ones who get the chance at the $1,500 question. Now, in just one minute, you're going to play your bet your life. When you take your car for service to a DeSoto Plymouth dealer, notice all the special tools and equipment in the shop. The equipment that helps the expert mechanics do better, faster work on your car. Find out also about the two great new cars he sells. There's a brilliant new DeSoto. Truly a magnificent car. Truly a new car, front to back. From its impressive full-width radiator grill to its smart-looking, newly designed rear end. You'll be amazed by all of its new features. You'll enjoy driving it. For DeSoto is the car that lets you drive without shifting. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth. The beautiful car that likes to be compared. Now, let's see if you two will get a chance at the $1,500. Send them and bring them up to date on the rules. Each of our three couples has $20. They bet as much of that 20 as they want on each of four questions. The couple that earns the most money gets a chance at the $1,500 DeSoto Plymouth question at the end of the show. Our other two couples are in a waiting room off stage, so they don't know what's happening out here. Here we go. Let's see how high I can build you $20. You select the drinking songs as your category. Is that right? That's right. Now, here's your first question. How much of the 20 are you going to try? Ten. 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 All right, ten dollars. Here's a song everyone should know. Play, Jerry.
$30. Remember, you're going for $1,500 tonight. Now, how much of the 30 are you going to try? Twenty. $20. What is the name of this song? What do you think, kids? There's a tavern in the town. We now have ten dollars. That's a shame. All right, now here's your third question. You have ten dollars. How much are you going to try now? Five. Five dollars? Give me the title of this song. Okay, Jerry. Chance to be the other couples. How much of the fifteen will you try? All of it. All of it. Shoot the works. Give me the title of this song. Take a guess, kids. It's Little Brown Jug. I'm going to give you another chance to make some money. Get this one right, and you win ten dollars. Now think hard. Who is buried in Grant's tomb? Grant. General Grant is right. Thanks and good luck from the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. Now, don't go away. You may get a chance at the big question. Now, before I forget it, I want to thank George Rosen and Weekly Variety for the special showmanship citation they gave us last week. It was a very high honor, and all of us on the show are sincerely grateful. Gentlemen, you may proceed. Groucho. Yes. The secret word is still book. It is. Perhaps the next couple will say it. We invited some hospital dietitians to the program, and just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected Miss Shirley Phillips. Her partner is a married man from the audience, Mr. Charlie Harvey, and here they are. Folks, meet Groucho Marx. Welcome to your Bet Your Life, and if you say the secret word, you'll divide $100 between you. It's a common word, something you'll find around the house. Miss uh, Phillips, eh? Shirley Phillips. That's right. For a dietitian, you're a pretty tasty dish. Where are you from, uh, Shirley? Cedars Lebanon Hospital. Were you, were you born there? No, I'm from really, really from San Francisco. Oh. And Mr. Uh, Harvey? Yes, are you one of the Harvey girls? <laughs> where, where are you from, Charlie? Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What sort of work do you do? I'm a former grave digger. <laughs> Why did you quit? Is everybody dead? <laughs> why did you, why did you quit, huh? I had a better chance for a job out here, so I came out here. What what are you doing now, Charlie? I'm a warehouse man now, sir. What are your duties as a warehouse uh, man? Well, I'm filling crates now, shipping parts. <laughs> Same job, but you're indoors. That's all. <laughs> you you are married, eh, Charlie? Yes, sir. How did you meet your wife? Well, she was working in Kelly's Oyster House in Philadelphia, reading tea leaves and palms. Reading tea leaves in an oyster house? Huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> what happened? Well, she read my tea leaves in there one time and told me that I was going to marry a widow with two children. And uh, a while back a later, I came back over there and I said, Well, I've looked all over town and I can't find a widow with two children. <laughs> She says, well, you've been looking at her every, t- every time you come into the Kelly's Oyster House. She was a girl. Well, did you marry her just so you wouldn't make a liar out of her? Is that... <laughs> Why, uh, you're not married, huh, Shirley? No, I'm not. 
Why, why aren't you married? I'm not ready to get married. How long would it take you? Huh? <laughs> is, uh, is that the only reason you're not married? No. But it seems like every time I meet somebody, either they're not interested in me or I'm not interested in them. Well, don't be discouraged. <laughs> Someday you'll meet a man and neither one of you will be interested in <laughs> something in common and you'll probably get married. Huh? <laughs> Just, uh, what do you do on your job, uh, Miss Phillips? Well, I write diets and I check trays. Do you make up the diet for the entire hospital? No, I don't. Who, who does that? Sir? Uh, the head dietitian. The head dietitian? You mean there's a diet just for head? Hmm? <laughs> Has anything unusual ever happened in your kitchen, Shirley, like putting something appetizing on the tray? Apparently, there are a lot of ex-patients here tonight. <laughs> well, sometimes, uh, for breakfast, we've had some people order cheese blintzes and Finn and Hattie. Cheese blintzes and Finn and Hattie, huh? Well, it's the same plot as Abe's Irish Rose, huh? <laughs> Has anything embarrassing ever happened to you, Charlie? Well, not embarrassing. I wouldn't say embarrassing, but I was Well, what would you say, huh? <laughs> I was called out of bed at 1 o'clock in the morning to go back to the cemetery. Were you alive at the time? <laughs> well, uh, I was the foreman of the grave diggers, and I was the only one that had the key to the tool house. It seems that uh, some fellow had gone through the... Somebody was eager to get buried? Huh? <laughs> no, it seems like he had a few too many, and he was walking through the cemetery and fell in an open grave. <laughs> Just looking at you has made me hungry, Shirley. Uh, how much food should I eat in a day? Well, that all depends upon the type of work that you do. Uh, a laborer should have about 3,000 calories, and uh, a white-collar worker about 2,200 calories. Well, I'm a white-collar worker, but my laundry didn't come back. <laughs> now, answer my question. How much should I eat, Shirley? Well, what do you do? Well, I can do 85 in the wind's with me. <laughs> I can do 85. I am 85. <laughs> now, answer my question, Shirley. How much should I eat? Well, uh, looks like you sit down most of the time, so... <laughs> I'd say about 1,500 calories. That's about one meal a day, isn't it? <laughs> Is there any food that's on most diets? Oh, I'd say uh, meat or milk. In most cases, you'd say milk is good for the figure? Yes. Have you ever looked at a cow? <laughs> well, it's been nice talking to you two, and as soon as we're through here, Shirley, you and I will go out and have a banana split and some mashed potatoes. <laughs> now, let's see how well you'll make out in the battle for the $1,500 question. You're going to play your bet your life. Run your $20 into more than the other couples, and you get a chance at the big question. I can't tell you how much our first couple won, but Fenneman's offstage remind our listeners. The nightclub girl and the ballpark vendor lost all their money, so these people have a clear field. Here we go. Let's see how high I can build you $20. You selected well-known husbands and wives as your category. Is that right? Yes, sir. How much of the 20 are you going to try? Ten. David O. Selznick is married to a famous actress. What is her name? Uh, Teresa Wright. Do you agree with that? 
Uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's Jennifer Jones. Yeah. And they have $10 now. All right. Well, you're down to $10. Anyhow, you're going for $1,500 tonight, and that's the big money. Now, how much of the 10 are you going to try? Five. Five. $5. Who is actress Lynn Fontaine married to? Alfred Lund. Alfred Lund is right. <laughs> now they have $15. All right. Now you got $15. Here's your third question. How much of the 15 are you going to try? Ten. Ten. Who is designer Gilbert Adrian married to? Janet. Janet Gaynor is right. They're climbing. They have $25. Well, uh, you're the gainer now. Now, here's your last chance to be the other couples. How much of the 25 are you going to try? 20. Who is Lily Pons married to? Um, Andre Castellano. Andre Castellano. And they wind up with $45. Thanks and good luck from the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. And I will soon know we'll get the chance at the $1,500 question. Folks, I don't have to tell you that summer is almost here. No, Fanima, but you will anyway. <laughs> and summer means that the best days to drive your car are right on top of it. I wish you'd drive more carefully. I will, Groucho, and more enjoyably, too. Because now's the time when I and thousands like me... I won't comment on that horrible thought. <laughs> now's the time when we smart car owners get set for those fine summer weekends and for vacations by visiting our DeSoto Plymouth dealer. Fenneman, that's your idea of a vacation? Your family visiting a DeSoto Plymouth dealer? Well, the time your car spends at a DeSoto Plymouth dealer's folks will make every mile you drive this summer more enjoyable. That's true. More economical. Yes, it is. Safer. Yes, yeah, safer. For expert service and checkup at a fair price, see your DeSoto Plymouth dealer tomorrow. All right, Fenneman, who's leading in the race for the $1,500 question? Well, the dietitian and the married man are ahead with $45. And the secret word is still book. We invited some sets of identical twins to the program tonight. And just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected Janny and Joey Pope. Folks, meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, kiddies, for the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. And if you say the secret word, you'll divide $100 between you. It's a common word, something you'll find around the house. Identical twins, eh? I'm glad somebody told me. <laughs> Otherwise, I might have accused one of you of being up here twice just to confuse me. <laughs> which one are you? Uh... I'm Janny. Uh, Jan- Janny, yeah? Yes. How do you do? And uh, and which one are you? I'm Joey. Yeah, Joey. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're Joey Haha? <Ha-ha? laughs> That's an Indian name, huh? <laughs> Is your name Janny Haha? <laughs> I've heard of many Haha, but... <laughs> You two certainly look alike, and I think you should know each other. Janie, shake hands with Joey, yeah? <laughs> I don't anybody move. Stay right where you are. <laughs> now, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Janie, uh, how, how, how old are you? I'm 20 years old. Joe, you are Joey, yeah? Yes. <laughs> Since you're identical twins, you're exactly the same age? Yes, I'm 22. <laughs> You're 22 and she's 20? No, I'm 20 also. Oh, that's like uh, Joey Haha, huh? Uh, Janie, are you, are you working? Uh, no, I'm going to UCLA. And Joey, uh, where do you work? I go to UCLA also. How can your teachers tell you apart? Well, when we're together, they can tell us apart, and when we're not together, they, they can't tell us apart. Why do I get involved in things like that? I'm not a kid anymore, and you kids are not helping either. 
Janie, would you mind going over what she just said slowly and succinctly? <laughs> well, what she means is that when we're separated, uh, they can't tell us apart, but when we're together, it's easier to tell us apart. <laughs> Cocktails, anybody? <laughs> Joey, does everybody have the same trouble I have? I'm Danny, that's Joey. Oh, this <laughs> Answer my question. Does everybody have my trouble? Well, yes, I guess. What's your trouble? I'll tell you, Mrs. Anthony, I come from a family... I come from a family of five boys. I was standing here five minutes ago minding my own business when suddenly I went off my rocker. Now, Janie, do you have any boyfriends? That's you, Janie, over there. Yes, I have How one. How do your boyfriends tell you apart? Well, uh, they have a lot of trouble telling us apart, but on the other hand, we have trouble telling them apart because they're also identical twins. We all get mixed up. Have you ever played any tricks on your boyfriends? Well, for instance, one day uh, I uh, walked into class and uh, this boy ran up to me and said, Joey, and I didn't want to say I was Danny. I said, yes. And he said, can you go out Saturday night? And I said, uh, I'd love to because Joey hadn't made a date for Saturday night. So Joey walked in and I told her and she already made a date. So I had to go out with him. And, <laughs> and so we both happened to end up at the same place. And, and I introduced the boy and uh, he said, well, which one is Joey? And we wouldn't tell them. And... Uh, they still don't know to this day. I guess it's just as well. <laughs> Have you any experiences like that that you'd care to relate, Joey? That's you, Joey, over here. Well, in high school, we had quite a lot of fun. Uh, Janie was better in geometry, and I was better in history. And uh, I uh, flunked the geometry test once, and so I had to make it up after school. So Janie went and took it in my place. <laughs> answers, and so she brought the blue book up to the seat. Joey, that did it. You just said book, and since that's the secret word for tonight, you and your partner spent $100 in cash, compliments of the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now, where were we uh, when you dented my checkbook? <laughs> Well, I brought the blue book up to the teacher, and as I was handing it to her, we both wear different rings, and I forgot to change my ring, and uh, that's the only way the teacher could tell us apart, and she knew I had a pearl ring, and this girl that brought it up had a ruby ring, so she caught us in the act, but she was very nice about it. <laughs> Just kicked out of school, huh? <laughs> Well, Joey, uh, you two not only look exactly alike, but you even dress exactly alike. Do you always dress the same? Oh, yes. What about boyfriends? Do you, do you like the same uh, boyfriends? Oh, no. Uh, that, we've been very lucky about it. Yeah. <laughs> Your taste is quite uh Very much the same yeah. twin. But yeah. the twins are alike, so it doesn't make any difference who goes with who. <laughs> you don't care which one you get, huh? No. No. <laughs> I guess when you've seen one twin, you've seen them all. 
Well, it's certainly been nice looking at you girls. Uh, now we're going to see if two heads are better than one. You're going to play your bet your life. You beat the other couples, and you'll get a chance at the $1,500 DeSoto Plymouth question. I can't tell you how much the other two couples won, but Phenom is going to remind our listeners. The dietitian and the husband are ahead with $45. Here we go. Let's see how high I can build you $20. You selected animals and birds of fact and fiction as your category. Is that right? Yes. All right. Now you have $20. How much are you going to try? $10, Harper. $10. Harper, right? <laughs> to be Al Ritz. <laughs> All right, Janie, that's you over here. No, I'm Joey. Oh, no, no. <laughs> From now on, you're Janie, huh? And you're one of the Dolly sisters. <laughs> you're going to try $10, and uh, what animal do you associate with Mrs. O'Leary? Cow. A cow is right. <laughs> Shortly, I have $30. All right, now you got $30. Remember, you're going for $1,500 tonight. Now, how much of the 30 will you try? 20 What bird do you associate with Edgar Allan Poe? Uh, raven. raven. The raven is right. <laughs> and accordingly, we have $50. All right, you got $50. Here's your third question. How much are you going to try? 30 30 I think. 30 All right. What bird do you associate with the ancient mariner? Oh, um, um... Uh, wait a minute now. The, uh, seagull. Oh, it was a dove. It was a dove. No, it was a gull. <laughs> we just studied that uh, last uh, week. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I think, I don't think you had your mind on it at the time, though. It's the albatross. Oh, yeah. They now have $20. Well, you still got $20. Now, here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much of the 20 are you going to try? All of it. What? Invisible animal do you associate with Frank Fay in a successful Broadway play? Rabbit. The rabbit is right. They wind up with $40, and that means the dietitian and the husband with $45 get the chance of the DeSoto Plymouth $1,500 question. When your car needs attention, it's important to get the very best service you can get. That's why you should always drive in at the sign of a DeSoto Plymouth dealer. For there's where you get a top service job every time. Expert factory trained mechanics working with factory approved tools and equipment do better work on your car and they do it faster. That means money in your pocket. Add to this the DeSoto Plymouth dealer's constant desire to treat you fairly and squarely. And you have all the reasons why it will pay you next time your car needs attention. To take it to a DeSoto Plymouth dealer. And here's the dietitian and the husband, the winning couple, all ready for the DeSoto Plymouth $1,500 question, Groucho. Here we go for $1,500. Ready? I'll give you 15 seconds to decide on a single answer between you, so think carefully and please no help from the audience. Here it is. Children the world over know about American Indians and early pioneers because of the writings of one of our greatest authors. He wrote The Deerslayer and The Last of the Mohicans, among others. Who was this man?
what's the answer you two have decided upon? I think it's James Oliver Kirkwood. No, you had the first name right, but I, I'm sorry, Charlie. It's James Fenimore Cooper, so that means the big question next week will be worth $2,000. Well, you lost the big money, but you won uh, $45 in the quiz. Congratulations, and thanks to both of you. <laughs> Bet Your Life is a John Goodell production. Transcribed from Hollywood, directed by Robert Dwan and Bernie Smith. Music by Jerry Fielding. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday night at this time for the Groucho Marx Show, You'll Bet Your Life. Presented by the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers of America. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth. Two great cars, both products of the Chrysler Corporation. And don't forget, next week, the big question will be worth $2,000. Good night, folks, and remember, just be sure to see your DeSoto Plymouth dealer. Folks, here's a tip from the National Safety Council. When driving, look ahead of the vehicle ahead to give yourself more stopping distance. This is George Fenneman, signing off for the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers from coast to coast.